In other news, John was involved in a fireball-related tragedy to his facial hair. <laughs> if you're yeah. wondering how much starter fluid John used, the answer is too much. <laughs> and, the, and the crazy thing is... Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security Talking About News. My name is John Strand and I'm here joined by our illustrious cast of characters. But this particular episode is brought to you by Black Hills Information Security. We do security work. We're working our best to become a horizontal and vertical monopoly. So please help us with that. If you need any security testing, sock work, anything like that, Come our way and work with us until we become an evil monopoly. It is also brought to you by Anti-Siphon InfoSec Training, home of pay-what-you-want training and really trying to focus on world-class, affordable security training. So with that, today I am joined by Ryan, who always makes us sound good, who somehow today sounds better than any of us. Um, Ralph, who I'm going to hand it over for because uh, honestly, he's probably more prepared than I am because... I taught all last week. I taught this week. My son graduated from high school this weekend. Um, we have Ian, who's hanging out as well, as always. Corey and Noah. And I'm really, I'm really happy. We've got Mike is on with us. This is two weeks in a row now? Yeah, two weeks in a row. All right. We've got Ben, who's in a completely different room, and it's kind of freaking me out. And we have Serena, who I, I'm hoping now has the microphones and the cameras Literally, like a month after we hired you, we're finally getting you the tools so you can effectively do your job, whatever that may be. So, how's everybody doing? Did you all have a good weekend? Because mine was crazy. Overall, well. Weekend, yeah. good. Weekend, good. I didn't, I didn't get hit by ransomware over the weekend. Yes. I didn't that's either. True. I think Anybody like get ransomware? Ryan, ransomware? Any ransomware? Any for, I think that's why he said he's been busy. It could plausibly be ransomware. That. Yeah. Could be the ransomware. I didn't have any ransomware. So, no, just like once again, I, I just feel like we need to rename the show ransomware. Um, just ransomware. <laughs> Talking about ransomware. Talking about ransomware. Just doing that. Um, out how only ethics keep us from being really rich. Yeah, I'm thinking we need I to set up like the ransomware of the week, like Zombieland had the kill of the week. We should have like the ransomware of the week. Like, what is the best example of ransomware? Oh, we have it. We absolutely. Uh, oh, we have it. What is the first story for the ransomware of the week, everybody? Uh, well, the Bank of Zambia had a little interesting response to their ransomware. <laughs> Ralph, you want to say the, the less than typical response? One might say. <laughs> well, let's do the reveal. This, this article has the best. Like, it's all clickbait. <laughs> it's all clickbait, but it's so amazing that like subtitles they chose. There's one that says uh, "texticular response," which, um, yeah. So for those that don't know, uh, the Bank of Zambia, which is in sub-Saharan Africa, for you know geography people, Where's that uh, on, was hit by ransomware. But of course, their key servers were protected. So. Instead oh, of negotiating for fine, it was great. Yeah, it's fine, right? So what they do is they just respond to the ransomware actors with a male organ. <laughs> it's a I, classic response. I does mean, that count as negotiate? Is that count as negotiating with t terrorists? Though is like this in the incident response <laughs> handbook? 
<laughs> is this in the incident response? <laughs> you is know this like one of the plays? Do we need a card for this in uh, Backdoor? No, it wouldn't be in the, it it would be in the incident response. Need, this is, this is obviously a... the work of a ransomware negotiator, like if I've ever seen one. They have a yeah. professional ransomware yeah, negotiator professional. on staff. This is, how they, uh, this is how they communicate in low oh. quality. They uh they hired uh what is it Tom Cruise's character from Tropic Thunder to negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> I I wow. So we pretty wow. much told them where to get off. Confirming that it was someone it. affiliated. I, I want to know. I want you all to know right now. I want to start doing security in Africa because if the Bank of Zambia is working this way, I want to party with these people. Um, <laughs> this is the most uncorporate America response. Like, I want this to be in a SANS textbook at some point in the future where they're talking about, you know, oh, how to respond to ransomware. There should be a slide. It's like, what you can do is restore from backups. You can engage your insurance company. Um, you could try to see if you can extract the crypto key working with your uh, forensics firm that's working with you. Or you could send the ransomware group a dick pic. Um, and I, I got to be honest, if I was running this ransomware group, I would basically look at this and be like, all right, cool. We're giving you just because, just because they're awesome. Uh, uh, so you, you got to have mad respect for that. That is amazing. I mean, so yeah. Now, so it's the, funny. They actually originally thought that the like negotiation chat had been hijacked and someone was just trolling. And then the bank actually confirmed, like, no, that was us. We said that. <laughs> we meant to say that. That was intentional. Back. We give you back everything so <laughs> white cyber duck said uh the ransomware a ransomware negotiator was anthony weiner <laughs> oh well clearly their chat program couldn't tell the difference between hot dog not hot dog <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome because now it, it's just like you know Serena's like, oh my god, it's a whole bunch of guys with dick yes, jokes. This is this over is and like, over again. Just not, never ending. Well, the Bank of Zambia started it. I'd just like to remind you, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. us. We did not but, make well, this up. <laughs> no, they were just dealing with a bunch of little pricks. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to admit because I was like, oh, they sent eggplant photos. Yeah, it was eggplant photos. And I was like, oh no, the article just used an eggplant. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Well, my wife gardens and one time she sent in something. She was like was like all excited and she was gonna make something from eggplant and sent a whole bunch of eggplant gifts uh or emojis. And my kids were like, No, mom, no. <laughs> don't do that. So uh, all right, we need to get off this topic because we could literally talk about this knock knock fart jokes, jokes like all day, right? All day just long. Working them out. <laughs> just, just no, no, no. We so, don't get paid per joke. All right, we don't. So you guys, you guys want more ransomware? You guys get you, paid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's let's do some more ransomware. What do we got on the ransomware pile? Yeah. So uh, looks like Chicago students, uh, five hundred thousand Chicago students, Chicago uh, public schools. Yeah, in <laughs> public schools. Yes. They're not just like students of the city. Yes, exactly. They're in the Chicago public school district, right? Uh, I guess it was ransomware uh, attack and their data was exposed. Specifically, date of birth, gender, grade but level. It was a vendor Ooh. though, right? It yeah, says it was, it was mm. Battelle for kids. Yep. What is Battelle? Is it just battle, but they spelled it wrong? Does anyone know? Mm, good question. Like, why I, I was this vendor allowed into their They're probably like maintaining the whole thing. They do student course information and assessment data for teacher evaluations. Oh. So it's like, hey, your kid is 70%. 
committed to collaborating with school systems and communities to realize the power and promise of the 21st century. Wow. Also well, committed to collaborating with now. ransomware actors, apparently. Well, they didn't commit to collaborating. I think they had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 school <laughs> hackers. I think we they need to go about from our people. We need to go from this to this. Yeah. <laughs> we could bring so sorry, together. John. So sorry. I think so the real this... learning point on this one, though, is the fact that they had a contract that said they were supposed to be notified immediately for the breach, and instead it was four months because of forensics investigations and law investigation mm. before they were actually notified. I think that says a lot right there. That gets into when what, what does that mean to be notified immediately? And I think that is a good question, right? Co contracts, I think, need to be a four little months. bit more clear about that. Because immediately could be as soon as you think you're breached. Um, immediately could be as soon as we know the full extent of the breach and we've got the breach under control. I, I don't know. Um, I feel like they messed up. I feel like they messed up on this one. Even if there's an ongoing investigation, you can at least say like you don't have to publicize and say we were hit by ransomware this minute. Like you can just say like, hey, uh, change your passwords like immediately, or or we've reset everyone's passwords, or what? I don't know. You know, whatever the. I don't know. I feel like at the very least, just a nondescript notification. It doesn't have to yeah. be like, here's a full debrief of like an IOCs and all that stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Four, months. four months is a long time. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel for these folks on this. Like, it's like kids, what John too. Was saying. Well, yeah. The, the, well, but like what John was saying about the, the contracts being worded, I've been on the other side of that. When you're at like a big company or in a state government agency or something like that, the lawyers, when you spin up breach response of any sort, are like, you don't talk to anybody. We don't say boo until we know precisely the number, precisely whatever it is, so that the state attorneys general, the other lawyers, whatnot, we don't have to keep revising. So now four months? Does it take four months to do that? That is a bit long. No, but how long was the Equifax? How long was the Equifax breach known before it was made public? Because they went public with it during the hurricane down in Houston. 90 days, I think. I think it was like was it 90 months. days. I can't remember exactly yeah. the exact time, but I in that it one, it literally felt like they were just waiting for a big event to happen. And <laughs> then they were like, we're going to put this out while the hurricanes, because no yeah. one's going to care about it when the hurricane. No, everybody cared about it. Everyone's like, screw all those people down in Houston. There's a breach. <laughs> Did you know um, the worst part is as a kid, you're going to be getting fishing campaigns for years and right. are going to be like, you failed math in 2016. <laughs> yeah. So you need to click this. I need to call you about your extended warranty yeah. on your car. Um, so I mean, that right. being said, Corey, uh, there's probably not a huge amount of value in fishing students due to, you know, yet than full time. Yeah, actually, you know, with a lot of that now, information, you can actually start taking out. It's actually a very valuable thing because with that information, you basically have a lot of the basics that you can get started. This is a real person. This is their age. This is all this information that you can start taking out loans. Identity um, in that, that person's name right and it'll take them you can steal that identity and it takes longer for those kids to become adults and realize their credit is completely screwed over it's like if somebody yeah. steals my identity i'm going to find out about it really quickly and it's going to get burnt really quickly um but with kids they're going to figure it out when they credit go limit or like six-year-olds getting <laughs> i don't know i don't know i've also often wondered that well no i mean um, What's that, I'm saying you could freeze your child's credit and yeah. because obviously they wouldn't need to use it until probably they're after 18 or if you put them on one of your credit cards to help them build credit or something like that. Yeah, but that's a smart idea. I, 
it seems like that would be a good idea to just completely freeze that credit with the bureaus or whatever. Yeah. The biggest problem is going to be all the kid on kid trolling action that's going to happen because of this. Because you know they're going to get their hands on the data breach and they're going to log they're going to log in as their friend and mess up all their scores. They're going to you know oh I got your student ID number I'm going to sign you up for pony classes next summer at the you know at the summer camp like. It's going to be a bloodbath of, of epic. No, glad we no, didn't go to school no, together, Corey. No, kids yes, are, you're kids poor. Are kind, Corey. <laughs> you're kind. I mean, middle schoolers, high schoolers, they're nice to each other. I'm oh. terrified of middle schoolers. <laughs> yeah. As an I adult, mean, I'm terrified of middle schoolers. I, I'm yeah. sure there are kids that are selling NFTs for more than I'll make in my entire life that are like 13. So. They did, not now. <laughs> it actually looks like it says they say currently there's no social security numbers, uh, home address, health, or financial data. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious what it's, was exposed. So it's name, date of birth, gender, grade level, school, public schools, student ID, state student ID, and then information about the courses and their scores. So that's why I said like they're going to get phishing mm. emails like, in 2016, mm. you failed the English exam, right. you dumbo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, no SSNs, but I assume the state ID numbers and stuff is like, if they can't change it or like, it's like, yeah. well, there's enough information right there to log into many of those kids accounts because yes. schools come up with a very predictable pattern for user IDs and passwords. And like my kids have user IDs and passwords and they're horrible. Um, and it's based on like a variant of their name and everything. And it's got like like two numbers in it that you can you can brute force. Um, I, I heard, I think, possibly. <laughs> um, Allegedly. But, but they build that. And then the thing that sucks is a lot of the school districts, they don't allow the kids to change their passwords either. Right, um, yeah. I don't know if that's like that in all the Chicago school districts or not. But, um, but no, I think you're right. This is going to be used for trolling against these kids for a while. So it took a while for them to disclose this, right? Um, four months, yeah. Four Four months, yeah. So, or no, it's like seven months. They had known about it or whatever. But um, it, it, that's kind of common, I feel like, the, on these uh, breaches, right? Um, but speaking of that, uh, let's talk about this next story, Zola, right? The wedding registry. So they, I think they may have been breached, right? But they're not going to get the opportunity, it sounds like, to hide out too long. I know this is just a Reddit post, but this one kind of got close to me uh, specifically because I got an email today uh, me and my wife, when we, you know, uh, were ma we got married, we registered on this wedding, you know, this like the millennial wedding registry, right? And I <laughs> guess uh, hackers are um, possibly have compromised the system, maybe, or credential stuffing, not sure yet. But and then they're accessing the funds that are left over from, um, you know, your uh, wedding registry, right? Uh -huh. uh, kind of interesting. We'll see if they. I, I like the um, I like the Zola notification on yeah. Reddit. This, this, this is going to be one of the, another example of how not to do breach disclosure properly. Not disclosing for four months is bad. Like That's just bad. But yeah. Zola said, if you have sent us a tweet regarding any gifts, credit funds in your account, please make sure you email our team. We'll work to reconcile this with you, which is this weird kind of oblique way of talking about it. Well, but and, like, then, and then they said, we understand some of you are waiting for your reset links. If you've requested your reset, your password more than once, you are being redirected to the homepage. It is because a new request invalidated the link prior. Reset link should be received in the hour. All of the stuff that like they're talking about the tangential system. Yeah. It's your situation, John. Yeah. If yeah, you got breached, if, if if we got breached, that is your situation. So, uh, <laughs> so listen. So I got an email right from them this morning, 
And it said your account <laughs> possibly could have been compromised or whatever. Maybe. 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 But, but here's the funny thing, right? It, it was addressed to me and my wife. She got another one of those emails as well. I think they're resetting everyone's account, which then leads me back to actually there must have been a compromise. They finally figured out that people were somehow they were stealing money out of the accounts and they just reset everyone's, but they haven't said anything yet. Yeah. White Cyberduck said Gen Z isn't worried about breaches because they can't afford to get married <laughs> ever. That's brutal. That's brutal. Ouch. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, how exactly is the whole point like, <laughs> I can't come to your wedding, but I'm going to send you money? Like, no, is no, that no. It? So, like, you put it's okay. So, it's a registry. So, it'd be like the things I want. Like, how know, did it, money end up in here? That's my yes, question. Because you can just give money. You can just give money as part of the registry. And then so they like, hold let's say it? for like a trip or something, like you want to go on a cruise for your for your honeymoon or something, a honeymoon fund. And so you can but they give store money. the funds. Yes, they store the funds and then you can use that. That's right? so sketchy. So it's like an yeah, escrow it's account. Bad, right? It's like an escrow account. <laughs> it's like, like an <laughs> escrow account <laughs> for your gifts. <laughs> escrow account. Submit yes. the completed wedding application to Zola at <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting married. Please send me money anyways. Um, but <laughs> no, seriously. It's, so that's what it is. But but, okay, so here's the thing. You can use that you can use that money to buy a gift through them so they actually sell things, not just like it's not just a bank, right? They actually sell gifts through other vendors, but if you don't use the money, it sits there, okay? It just goes, you know, like you can't use it for anything. So, a lot of times you'll have leftover money and I think that's what happened. Huh. I'm yeah, sorry, I guess you can just direct that. deposit that money into your I account. I don't think you can. Okay, because that more, was going to lead me to a next question of if you can direct deposit this money cool. into your account. I, I haven't been on the site in a long time, like when we first did the registry, so I have no idea what they changed. But my question is, how are they getting the money out? So maybe they did add that feature, right? They would um, have to. I would and when imagine. I went to log in just recently, guess what? Password I need to reset. reset my password, right? So I haven't been on there. So. If it's just <laughs> gifts, though, I mean, this is a pretty common scam when you deal with uh, points programs. People will migrate points programs from yeah. different airlines or hotels or whatnot. I can totally see a, an angle here where if it's like, oh, we're going to log in and we didn't realize that Aunt Trisha sent us a $200 thing. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to go buy that on Bed Bath & Beyond, pick it up in the store, return it, or sell it on eBay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it becomes basically untraceable. And yeah, the social engineer. even know how much they had left in that account. So I think I had point. money in the account, but it was something stupid, like $10 or something. Like it's like that. all those yeah. gift cards that just pile up somewhere. You have your money? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm going to check. I maybe have gotten hacked. So the the I think the other the fallout from this is going to be a lot of social engineering attacks with people's registries. Like, yeah, you purchased a Bed Bath and Beyond sheet set in 2010, and and it's now a class action lawsuit where you can get a million dollars because the sheets the manufacturer de uh, yeah. defect, and they're doing a uh, oh, now I can't think of the word. I had it. That's embarrassing. Come on, the Noah. Have you went to Des Moines. Recall was what I was trying to say, but <laughs> yeah, they no, recalled it, your sheets. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, so I guess if this was you, then be on the lookout. It's also like, I remember for a while it was public, like pe people were talking about how you can scrape Amazon wish lists and use those as like a phishing vector. Like you can. You can like purchase something off of someone's Amazon wish list and then it'll like send them a message yeah. and you can just be like, here's a link. Someone purchased this off your wish list or whatever. You didn't have to scrape it. You could just put in an email address and there was right. like, oh, <laughs> if there's an account associated with that with Amazon, here's their wish list. 
Right. I think they changed it though. They did. You do have to actually scrape it now. But the point is that what people want and what like gifts and stuff is a very like that's a social engineering vector that people fall for a lot. Yeah. So I don't know. You remember uh, you? I, I could not remember. He's still active. The guy behind um, DefCon Parties Twitter account named Swarbo. I mean, mispronouncing it. Uh, Trent. He did a presentation at ShmooCon. I want to say 2009, 2010 timeframe where he found that you could like very easily hack a lot of these different registry wedding planning websites. And he was actually demonstrating that you could jump into other people's accounts just by brute forcing the ID. And he was bypassing authentication by just setting, like they were doing Google authentication and you just set a zero to a one and it dropped you right into somebody's account. And um, the funniest thing that he did, at least he put it in his slides. I don't know if he did it for real, but you know, as part of the wedding, they had like a community discussion board where everyone could talk about the upcoming wedding and how excited they were. (laughs) And he had this screenshot of everyone talking about, you know, this wedding that's coming up. And then he, as one of the bridesmaids, uh, put in a post that was like, does the bride know that he has syphilis yet? (laughs) And and just like threw it on. I don't know if Trent actually did that in reality, but it was kind of a similar thing on how you can use these things. Like it isn't just an issue of getting oh, yeah. emails and phishing. You can use this platform if you hacked it properly to send your attacks through. Like the Amazon thing is an example of that. Like, and the I wedding think location has trust. changed, right? What's that? Or something like the, like, like the wedding location has been changed. Click here for an updated invite <laughs> or something yeah. like, no, that's absolutely true. And I think that a lot of these platforms they're more trustworthy than getting it from an email, right? Yes. Like people mm-hmm. expect garbage to come in from their email or their DM messages on Twitter or whatever. But if you're actually working in a like wedding that's coming up, that is something that's real. It's happening. You're working through this thing. And I, I think it, it really incre- increases the trust value for these third-party applications quite a bit. You know, the, the weather right now is pretty hacky. Is it? Hey everyone, Bud Patches with the Talking About News Weather Center, AccuSploit Weather on the Ones, sponsored by That's What I Call Patching. That's What I Call Patching is all your favorite vulnerabilities and patches from 2008 to today. There's 187,222 CVEs in the NIST NVD and they're available across your entire enterprise today. Moving through the week, starting Monday, we've got a lot of tech bros coming in. A strong tech bro front coming in from Twitter with a lot of gatekeeping and misogyny. So remember, if you're one of those individuals that made those tweets, the best time to delete it was immediately, and the second best time is now. Moving into Tuesday, yeah, we're going to see a lot of email. As vendors prepare for RSA, they're ready to go back into their conference mode and they've spent a lot of money getting those booths for RSA. So watch out for those vendor emails selling you fear, uncertainty, and doubt about all the things you need for your InfoSec program. Moving into the middle of the week, yep, that's right, Wednesday, the Pew Pew level drops back down to low, but we've got end of quarter formations. Now, you'll see a lot of those fronts from Tuesday with RSA vendor emails, but you're going to see a lot of salespeople trying to close their quarters, selling you silver bullets of AI, ML, machine learning, cloud augmented, agentless solutions. So keep an eye on that. Not a lot of risk, just, you know, maybe not check your spam folder for a few days. 
towards the end of the week here on Thursday. Well, we have the first real issues coming up. That's right, the Shadow Server Foundation has found 380,000 Kubernetes APIs exposed on the internet. So, remember, if your Kubernetes API is outside, it's exploitable. Bring it inside. That's where it wants to be. Now, uh, finally, getting to the end of the week, we've got Friday. Well, as leaders get ready to head out for RSA and other conferences, it's the end of the month and it's coming to close. They're gonna be looking for metrics on what's going on, what they should be reporting to the board, and what they should be looking at as they go to these conferences. Expect many requests for spreadsheets and metrics that you've possibly never given before and don't know why it's being asked for. That's the five-day weather here from the AccuSploit Certified Weather Center. I'm Bud Patches. Back to you in the studio. Bud Patches, <laughs> just a quick question for you. I'm a little bit concerned about the cyber storm that's coming up with additional fear, uncertainty, and doubt with RSA. How do you think that we as a community are going to be able to weather the storm of new FUD coming out with the RSA conference being moved to the summer? Will that impact the level of FUD that we'd normally get? Oh, absolutely. There has been an unbelievable FUD buildup all through the pandemic. There's a lot of vendors that have just been waiting to tell you how their product and solution is the only silver bullet that can solve all your problems. And they are antsy to get that budget. So we can expect everything from AI will solve all of your password woes all the way to machine learning can actually take care of all your technical debt. So uh, I think we're going to see a large increase and people should be aware. I also, I also think that we're going to be seeing a lot of single pane of glass solutions oh, that may get, get shattered in this upcoming FUD storm. Wow. Absolutely. Wonderful. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thanks, much, bud. bud. Yep. See you next time. No, but in all seriousness, I, he just reminded me that RSA is coming and I felt a little bit of like dread in my stomach. Are you going to go, John? You're going to hang out there? I, you know, it's really your spot. It's yeah, three it's letters. Like, it's three letters. It's my people. I, um, I have two things that I'm doing. One is a panel discussion on affordable security training um, with, uh, uh, with John Hammond uh, from Huntress. And then the other thing that I'm doing is backdoors and breaches with Jason. Um, but still not excited about going to San Francisco for RSA, like walking the floor. It's just, it makes me die inside every time, every single time. Just a little and bit I, of you gets lost. Oh, and I read somewhere that 75% of the vendors that go to RSA and Black Hat never come back. <laughs> um, but what about the client demand generation, John? Is that going to happen? <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty convinced that RSA is nothing but vendors talking to other vendors. vendors. Talks, so. It's like the like thing where Jerry from uh, Rick and Morty, he just keeps generating copies of himself. He's like, yeah. wow, you look amazing. And then another guy, <laughs> oh, you look great. Your product looks so promising. Oh, you too. Like, it's I agree for Apple. You. It's <laughs> Siri and Alexa talking to each other. <laughs> oh, I can sell you. A single pane of glass that makes single panes of glass. <laughs> what? Automatically? <laughs> Just drop that bomb. That's awesome. Can you put it on the blockchain? Yeah, It's right up there yes. with paper clothes. When you're done, you just throw them away. I'm Ooh. an idea man. That's what I do. <laughs> Get a flood blocker for your gutters. I'll come by right. bo back doors and breaches there. Yeah, there we go. The, mm. the back doors and breaches thing is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that because I like working with Cecilia. But yeah, I think literally Eric and I will go there and like just do what I got to do and then get the hell out as quickly as possible.
Don't leave yep. anything valuable in your car. I'll be at B sides right before RSA. And oh, you are going out. You're yeah, going I'm out speaking world. at yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, we'll see. I'm really gonna attempt to travel, but <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> so, I'm very excited. Yeah. No, no, it's 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 weird out there. Just more hotel rooms. So as we can start queuing, you know, um, what is it? Here I am from the Bob Seger band around the road. Turn the page. That's the name of the song. Turn the page. Yeah. So, all right. What else do we got for stories? Let's let's keep going through the stories. Do you, do you want to talk about the uh, twenty-two year old office RC bug that's being spread to steal snake keylogger spreads through malicious PDF? This is like a blast from the past, and it's Multiple being used blasts in the past. This like four. I mean, like in, as soon as someone said PDF, I'm like, we're getting in the good DeLorean. times. Let's bust out the social engineering <laughs> toolkit, baby, and bed some JNLPs. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to time or back back to the future excuse me uh so i guess they uh found actively uh uses a malicious pdf file and a 22 year old office bug to propagate the snake keylogger malware uh this was so i guess the cve is cve 2017 and uh this is a remote um code execution vulnerability in the uh execution editor i think uh, it's an app installed by default with the Office Suite that's used to insert and edit complex equations as uh, OLEs or object linking embedded items in Microsoft Word documents. Um, I don't yeah. understand how the hell are the PDFs even getting delivered because any PDF with any active content, like what is it, UCD and FATE mm -hmm. decode, any of those, like it doesn't even make it through an email system. Like what dark magic are they doing to get active content PDFs it's in? So, John, it's probably just a URL and a PDF. Yes, yes. That's They're using the URL to get them started. That's what launches work. So it's a PDF with a URL, which which is an actual decent delivery technique. I've used that to bypass email filters because it doesn't okay. scan. It doesn't like, you know how we have like URL replacers now where it's like safe paste or safe click or whatever. Yes. <laughs> safe um, click 2000. Yeah, so you, instead you just put the URL in the PDF and they click that, then it downloads the doc, which the doc has yes. the malware in it, which sounds like it was written by Joff. It was like .NET, Keylogger, <laughs> Malicious. <laughs> yeah. He did. Yeah. He wrote it 17 years ago. <laughs> yeah, he one. forgot about it. Oops. He forgot about this one. He's like, what? Did I actually post that to GitHub? Oh, crap. God. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess what is old is new again. And, you know... Don't be surprised. But I, but I do think it's interesting, though. I mean, obviously, this is only going to be hitting people who are susceptible to this vulnerability. So, like, I don't think this is for the latest version. Uh, yeah. I th so is this patch, this office thing? It looks like, like, yeah. It's not. It's, it's, it's been. Yeah. So it's been it fixed was for a while. Four years ago. Right. <laughs> so it's 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 funny because I actually I believe that. Is that the bug <laughs> discovered by Ryan Hansen? Oh. I, yeah, I remember Oops, that. Paragon one. just posted LOL. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's kind of like the whole uh we were talking about in person at uh Wild West Hacking Fest that a lot of phishing campaigns fail because they're over engineered. Uh mm -hmm. so this might be that like this word doc, it's designed to select people that are like patching, never heard of it. I just say no anytime Windows asks me anything. But you know, um, like, going, yeah, going back to Hoax Paragon's point, it's like if you're creating a malware uh, delivery method that's only going to hit people that aren't patched, well, you've just done an amazing amount of selection as far as, you know, what your target right. 
is going to be because mm-hmm. they probably don't have any other defenses, right? So, I don't yeah, know, and I will like, say, like, to put it all in context, first of all, this has been in the wild since 2020, and no one has provided specific details on how much <laughs> it's worked or how this is kind of a, I guess, a stunt, stunt, uh, teardown, stunt reverse engineering of like something, right? <laughs> so it's like, we got we to gotta come up with some news. We got to stay in the news. What do we do? Oh, I tore down this word malware a couple of years ago. You want to just use that? Sure, post it. Let's call it Snake. I played Snake on my BlackBerry back in 2008. So then we go with it. Oh, now I have now I have like memories of like cramping in my thumbs. Thank you. Nokia had Snake. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good time. That was so. a good one too. It's a good, it's one a good too. name though. I mean, I'll 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 allow it. Snake. Yeah. It's called. Well, it's better than Panda or Dark. Yeah, something. it's but yeah, it's better than like Snake Sec Keylogger 2000 variant. Yeah, just go with something. Stick with the basics. Stick with the basics. Exactly. Yeah. Just a random animal. That is funny that you brought up Ryan Hansen. I used to work with him. And yeah, this is like around the exact it's, same time. This, this is, is his bug, isn't it? I no. think it's his. No, no, this is not. This is Are not. you sure? Uh, I'm, I'm positive. His was uh, 0199. <laughs> Somebody's got a puppy. It's excited <laughs> to see her. Where's the puppy? There we go. Oh, There's a puppy. He knows where it is. Stop the news. Stop the news. It's over. It's all over. Puppy. You puppy. He needs to go for a walk. Oh, he wants he wants to get on the lap. You can tell. He's like yeah, ah! that literally is needs to be one of our other segments. We're just gonna have yeah, 30 seconds. We bring in our pets puppies playing like, around. Yes. It, yes. It, it, yes. Talking about news, show and tell our pets. Yes, yes. Just pet. <laughs> just broke yeah. the internet. Somebody asked, Oh my god, what's your what's your dog's name? That's Hazel. <laughs> cool. I have a picture of her. She was wire shark for Halloween. So. Oh, I think I've seen that. Wire shark. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was very cute. Oh, that's adorable. White <laughs> mm. Cyberduck says, "Tell Hazel I love her." <laughs> <laughs> so, Ian, are you seeing any snakes there in the jungle? Yeah, Cyberduck, you can't fall in love with every puppy that just comes across because it could be that Hazel's a jerk. It could be that Hazel just puts <laughs> peas everywhere and chews things up. You don't know. It's infatuation. That's what you have, White Cyberduck. Uh, now um, she's the best. <laughs> so while, while we were chatting, I was I was looking around to see, uh, you know, I found some Mayan ruins that had the original RCE for this calendar vulnerability. Yeah, so it's a, it's amazing. The the Mayan calendar ended right around the same time that support for Windows XP stopped. <laughs> <laughs> what a was coincidence. Coming. And that's it. Does that mean that support for any further patches is over because the Mayan Kingdom is officially done? That's their end of support calendar. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have the it. perfect gift for this. Why did it have to be snakes from Indiana <laughs> yeah. Jones? <laughs> yeah. Why did it have to be PDFs? <laughs> Why PDFs? <laughs> Speaking of actually of new attacks, though, um, I guess the uh, pwn to own uh, happened last month, right? It was a uh, it was in April. But um, with that said. Car hacking was kind of popular. I think they hacked a um, uh, a Tesla. Uh, they did actually had a remote code execution. But um, there's another article here from Hacker News about a Bluetooth attack or attack that can help um, attackers remotely unlock uh, smart locks and cars. So locks, Bluetooth tech locks, good bad stuff here. Um, yeah, pwn to own recap. Everything was pwned. Um, there's a lot of money online. But, uh, <laughs> you know what's funny is pwn to own. No one seems to care about anymore. I would if I was Microsoft. Thinking. Definitely no, cares. I, I remember when it came out with Microsoft. I think is one of the sponsors now. Yeah. Um, whenever pwn to own first came out, I think it was Cansec West Dragos's conference, and um, 
it was a huge deal, right? Like it's, everything fell. It was a big deal. There was money on the table and everything got hacked. Next year they did it again. It was a big deal. And then over time, it's just like, well, yeah, of course everything got hacked. It's almost like it's not that big of a news story anymore, which I think is a little bit depressing um, that we're that desensitized to it at this point. Because everybody, I think we would all be surprised if Pwn to Own happened and like no one got Chrome, no one got Microsoft, <laughs> no one got Apple. Um, maybe they got Android. We'd be like, wait, what? Uh, that would be the, that would be the bigger news story. I feel like the scary thing about this one is that it's a relay. It's just like a generic kind yeah. of formula for an attack, which is always super scary. It's like, yeah. hey, we have these things called karma attacks. Every vendor's vulnerable. Like it's like uh, you know. Yeah, thing- but how do you fix that? Like if you're doing right. a relay of it, like you, I mean, well, you, you have to integrate. You you'd have, have to- your whole body in a Faraday bag. You'd have to put that into your threat model. As an IoT engineer, you have to be like, well, we have to assume that things can be relayed and have like nonces or whatever. Yeah, you know, see, with the Tesla though, the they just put like a pen. Relaying Bluetooth, like if you relay TCP/IP that way, you're gonna, more than likely you're going to see a TTL decrement, right? Like if I set up a proxy and I relay it, you're going to see the TTLs go down. Maybe now you can change that, right, with the packets. But with this type of relay attack. I just don't know. Like, so there's I mean, response time limits they can do. So, like, it has to happen. So, yeah, quick. it has to. Like, say you go to unlock your car. If the car doesn't get a response in 30 seconds or whatever, it just goes back to sleep, or like yeah. something like that. I mean, it's it, it comes down to like the IoT um, like supply chain or whatever you want to call it is a really long chain. So, like, if they didn't integrate this kind of stuff into their planning and development then it is like going to be years before anything like this can be fixed. Not to mention the whole problem with updating and all that stuff. So, you know, if you have a smart lock or if you have a car, <laughs> you're kind of in trouble, right? I guess a smart lock at least. If you can... own a car, you're screwed, dude. They're stealing <laughs> it. Everyone. No, everyone. I own cars that have no electronics and I do that on purpose. No, but we, we kind of go back to, you know, this is something that bothers me, right? Because we will almost never as a pen testing firm get to do this type of attack. We just won't, right? It's outside of the threat model. If we talk about it, we're like, we got this really cool attack where we could like break into the car and we can they'd be like, yeah, no, we want to cut the days back. You know, it's rare. (laughs) (laughs) We have these things that come out and a lot of times they just kind of die because I don't think that they're actively being exploited in companies. So it tends to get ignored. And then they become this weird gray area of forever days that literally an attacker can use for years just because it's not being seen regularly by the pen testing community. Yeah, yeah. so it basically says like these should be mitigated by requiring more than just inferred proximity, meaning like yes. just because like you're close to your Tesla or you were 30 <laughs> seconds ago, you shouldn't just unlock. But Well, that's why on the Tesla, uh, for example, you can enable a pen, so that way if you actually want to drive the darn thing, you mm-hmm. actually still have to type a pen, which is usually enough barrier to entry. Like, you know, they're not going to try all the pens. And also it only lets you well, try like three times. And that gets into another, you know, if you're, probably your threat model isn't the car is stolen because yeah. I wouldn't steal a Tesla because that thing is going to be tracked. It's right? a <laughs> you're literally stealing <laughs> a Lojack. It's, it's not going to be like Fast and Furious where they're like, oh, we got a Model S. And no, yeah. they're going to know exactly where that car is. I think many times when you're looking at the actual threat model, and I think White Cyberduck hit it, is what's in the car. And usually an attacker, yeah, they could try to unlock the car by relaying Bluetooth, or they could just break a window and steal a package or a bag. <sighs> the easiest the way in. Yeah, which I is mean, probably this, the easiest thing. Yeah, I mean, leave your car unlocked if you do go to San Francisco, because they'll break the window and the insurance is more than whatever you had in it. But 
Um, the yeah, I mean the the thing is like with this, I think it's more like it applies. I think in scary edge cases, like oh your brakes failed, cool, uh, you're dead. Um, you know that like <laughs> that, that kind rough. of stuff is is scarier like really to dark. me than like breaking and entering or stealing a car is not that rewrite like it's a, it's a it's a living low jack device let's, but let's step back though and uh, outside of cars right which are you know the mobile thing the smart locks around. and stuff yeah the yeah. smart locks let's talk about those right like on your house like the locks you have most of the time on your door they're literally just there to make you feel good at night like they're they, not yeah. really like. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like literally, a six-year-old kid could probably kick down your front door with the lock locked, right? That's a big like six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's talking about using the six-year-old <laughs> as a battering ram. As a battering ram, yeah. It's so work child yeah. abuse. My amazing helmet on. It's fine. It's Florida. Yeah, here's I the think thing with, with physical door locks that people that I always tell people is like the lock is not there to keep people from getting in. At best, it's there to slow them down so I can get out. Mm. Yeah. Most. What were you gonna say, Ian? Oh, no, I was just going to say that, like, we keep mentioning Teslas, but in reality, the, you know, proximity door lock, I mean, they're on Nissans, they're on everything. I, yeah. I have a friend of mine who had his car stolen by a crew here, not, not the car stolen, but stuff in his car stolen by a crew in Orlando. And the police were like, yeah, what they're doing is they see models of cars that they know uh, have these things and they just walk up to your front door with the relay at mm -hmm. night because yep. it looks like maybe they're going to your front door but they just get close enough that the fob in your bedroom or whatever opens right. up they grab everything in your trunk and they're gone and that's yeah, it keep yeah. your keys in a uh keep your keys in a faraday cage or you know yeah, some we sell the bowls now bag. little they sell little decorative rfid bowls mm -hmm. that you can throw yeah. that stuff in it's, it's a really huge cool. inconvenience even if it is like insurance will take care of it or whatever but i mean yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's kind of like us saying, like, "Oh, we'll just encrypt all your passwords, and you don't have to worry." Or you know, <laughs> like, just do this, and you'll never have to worry about ransomware. Just have perfect backups and disaster recovery, well, like you know. And I think we're trying to be better about that, right? Like, I think that that's kind of flippant statement that we say in security a lot of times. Well, all you have to do is do this, and right. we know that it's far more complicated than that. Like, if we're like, "All you got to do is patch." Well, <laughs> just keep nothing of value in your car ever. Yes, okay, well then, why yes. do I have a car? Mm. <laughs> Only buy the crappiest car that you wouldn't care if it got stolen. Look, oh, so that reminds me of that Saturday Night Live sketch where they're talking about a new car and it looks like a complete beater and it's like leaking oil. And they're like, "This is the guaranteed way to make sure that no one ever steals your car." I would say that's a stick shift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Joe Hartman uh, was the guy that did it. It was a great oh. sketch. Well, if it's but, if it's a if it's a gasoline or a diesel car, the gas is too expensive, so they don't bother stealing it. Yeah, so, yeah. steal it at all. <laughs> yeah. Only if it has a full tank, right? <laughs> they're like <laughs> they have a Bluetooth tank level checker. They're like, nah. Uh, yeah. Well, I will all say right. that like that's actually a, I mean it's not entirely related, but that's been a common attack that we've been seeing in the Midwest at least, where people have been taking like cordless drills and a drill bit and just drilling a hole in the bottom of your gas tank and draining it out. That's like that's not, that's there's so not a damn thing, thing about that. That, that sounds intelligent to that me. Just, that, <laughs> yeah. well, just siphon it at that point and don't screw over the other person. I don't know. Well, yeah, but the thing is, like, we put in these anti-siphon locks, so it's this whole thing of, like, security improves, and then the attackers improve their Somebody methodology. Beats it with a drill. So we put in these anti-siphon <laughs> locks, and then someone's like, fine, I have a drill, and now you have, like, a $150 I, I, gas yeah. tank repair. I'm just $150? That's the cheapest gas tank on the I, face I of the... I don't repair one gas spark tanks. away from disaster. Just one spark <laughs> away from disaster. How, yeah. Increase in people dying in fires under cars somehow? <laughs> oh, my God. Why were you under there? Converters, oh, I, I dropped my phone. I was under yeah. there. 
I was looking for. <laughs> oh man! Uh, All you right. guys want to talk about this uh, last one here, the uh, PayPal DOJ one? Or oh, wait, DOJ. Well, we can yeah, talk about well, I want to talk about the there, DOJ yeah, one. There's also Costa Rica. Don't forget, and there's a Kubernetes thing. So <laughs> Costa Rica is kind of doing the same thing as the as the bank in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> like, we ain't paying. We ain't oh, paying. We're shutting down the country instead. Um, so the DOJ one, um, I think Ryan's looking for it right now. Let me get it in the chat real fast. I don't know if we got it added. So the Department of Justice added in some updated guidance on basically prosecuting hacks and how it relates to good faith um, security research. And I think that this is interesting for a number of reasons. Like for me, the most, well, if we go right here, um, the policy for the first time directs that good faith security research should not be charged. Good faith security research means accessing a computer solely for the purpose of good faith testing, investigation, correction of a security flaw of vulnerability, where such activity is carried out in a manner designed to avoid any harm to individuals, the public, or the information derived from the activity. Now, what's interesting about this is the Department of Justice is currently prosecuting a number of cases that this would be applicable to um, and helping create a delineation between a security researcher and somebody who's calling themselves a security researcher and is literally just hacking. And I think the key points on this is the idea of good faith. What are you doing with that? So the example of the people at DOJ that I've talked to is if you're hacking um, and you're doing security research and you reach out and attempt to reach out to that company with that security vulnerability, you're going to be most likely fine, right? If you reach out to a company and they're not responding and you go to the overall community and you release this research for the protection of people that may be using this product or service, that's also considered to be in good faith, right? Because that's your ultimate end goal. If you hack into a network and find a security vulnerability and you start downloading tons and tons and tons of data, you might be crossing the line at that point because that's unnecessary from the purposes of good faith to actually prove that that security vulnerability exists and the impact of it. Because um, you could just take screenshots and some other things with that as well. If you're doing security research and you're sharing it with the community for the purposes of you know, sharing it with the criminal underground, you're going to get in trouble. So I like this because I think, it actually, I think it actually brings some clarity as far as what you're doing. And it ultimately comes into what is your ultimate goal and objective. And that ultimate goal and objective will be determined based on your actions once you find that vulnerability. And I think it ultimately begins with communicating, attempting to communicate with the company that you found the vulnerability in. And if they're not responsive after a number of times, then you can kind of fall back to kind of Google's Project Zero Day, Tavis's organization. Like, what is it? Like a month it's, that there's no so response? It's, it's, it's really cool. This actually came up in the uh, HD Moore episode of Darknet Diaries I was listening to. But basically, uh, all the, the Project Zero, Zero Day Initiative, their standard is they do, I think it's 30 days or 45 days to the vendor. And then after that time, it goes both to uh, N uh, NIST or whatever government yes, organization. Yep. Yeah. So it like basically they hand it out. They say, okay, you get 30 days of exclusive time. After that, we're handing it to these parties and they're going to disclose it. So it like dis it spreads this responsibility beyond just the individual of being like, I'm mm -hmm. going to post it to my Twitter. It's like, no, NVD or whoever is going to post it on this day. So yep. it's kind of a mix. Uh, I agree. It's an awesome... It, the clarity is nice, but I think also we talk about intent all the time. Like when, Even when we're talking about pen testing, we're always like, well... If something bad happens, just make sure that you can prove that you had good intentions.
but now seeing like actual legal teeth that go along with that that kind of make that more documented than just being like i had good intentions uh don't you know it's fine uh is a good thing um now we just yeah. need a like national uh nonprofit that can like help security researchers right. with their legal fees because you can yeah. still smush someone with legal fees well, right you can still and and that gets into you know the EFF let's be honest the EFF steps in and does mm-hmm. a great job right of, of trying to do that but they could always use more assistance and it's also interesting this is really kind of clarifying the interpretation as far as the Department of Justice is concerned for the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act which Computer Fraud Abuse Act says if you gain unauthorized access to a computer or exceed your authorized access on that computer and it's a protected computer system and the damages are in excess of $5000 and I can describe what a protected computer is mm-hmm. but the point of it all is if you were just interpreting the, the CFAA as it stands even basic level security research, web scraping, any mm-hmm. of those, yeah. you could be in violation of the CFAA. Pressing F12. Mm-hmm. Pressing F12. Yeah. In fact, Facebook tried to press charges against a company um, that was doing scraping, and it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and it got vacated, and then the, the, the appellate court basically stood it up again. Um, but there's a lot that goes around with that, because if you're reading and interpreting the law as written, it's... It puts a lot of us at risk uh, for all kinds of vulnerabilities, just doing legitimate pen testing, as a matter of fact. Wow. All right. I love, I love, was it Timmy? All tools now need to come with a good dash intention flag. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that flag's actually built into Mascan, and what it does is it blocks all the DOD ranges, all the n- military ranges. All the- Automatically. <laughs> oh, Dude, don't let Rob hear that, because that will be built in by this weekend. Uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, one of the things that I like about this is, I mean, every, I echo what everyone said about having some clear guidance, but I mean, all kidding aside with the, the F-12 guy, what was that, Missouri, there's still a lot of state laws and people who will, prosecutors that will fall on that sword to say, well, yeah, I can get a prosecute, prosecutorial win here because nobody understands how these computers work and I can probably get a jury yes. to get this guy. And that's so, how they choose their cases, right? Not based absolutely. on what, yeah. And, and that's one of the things, yeah. again, that they mentioned in the HD Moore episode is, which he created Metasploit, which obviously has a ton of legal and like people every day would email his boss and be like, hey, you should fire this guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, like but he basically said that the prosecutors will only pick cases they think they can win. And that doesn't always have to follow, you know, the law or intentions or any of that. It's just based on like, well, you know, like you said, there's enough traction at the state level. There's this law that, you know, we can do it. Well, and that was one of the things, you know, for years, HD was terrified of, right? I, mean, I don't know if he talks about it. I haven't listened to the Darknet Diaries episode. Was, wasn't was just the issue that he could be sued successfully. It was just it would take up all of his time eventually. Yeah, and, and um, money. And that, and that's exactly right. And that's part of why the Metasploit was... He, and he basically said this. He was like, early on, we we made sure it was very public it was, we had a huge a number. Yeah, it was a framework. There's tons of developers. We announced it to millions of people at every conference we could go to. And basically that kind of brings it into enough of a public stance that like if something were to happen, the EFF or whoever would step in. But like, if you're just some guy, if you're the F12, I mean, I guess that kind of hit the news, but there's a lot of cases where if the process, if it's just some person that doesn't have this framework, they don't have a huge following, they don't have enough of an audience or a user base to prove you know, this will help protect that this new clarification will hopefully help protect those individuals that don't have 
like a backing, like a huge, you know, following. So it's it's a good thing. But they can they can use my audience. <laughs> if they were they can send me a DM and I'll I'll amplify that out. Well, and I think next week, speaking of like this whole conversation, I think it's part of it is, you know, I've been seeing lots of tweets from you, Serena, about TikTok is just they're nuking tons of your videos. Yeah. Um, and I think that that kind of feeds into the conversation as well. And I think we should talk about that next week for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could talk about that for hours for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, it's a little sore subject because I posted a new video today that was taken down. And it unless I'm John- dropping like zero days on TikTok. It was really John Ripper, feel- right? Yeah, it was literally just like, hey, you can use John the Ripper to crack passwords on a zip file. And it was like, I got it from Hack the Box. And so it was a zip file. Then I used John the Ripper to grab the password out of it. And yeah, they removed it within an hour. And those videos are always the ones that do really well. That's like what people are interested in, like tools and techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, but There's yeah, no recourse. Like, I assume they're not like responding to you and, at, so, you know. I no. can do like a, an appeal, but the people that go through and watch those videos are not technical people. They, the chances of them having a really good understanding of what I'm talking about and kind of ethical hacking in general, I think when you post stuff online, they're like, oh, thanks. Like you're going to let all these people know how to hack things and whatever. Like you, you really don't know who's going to be reviewing that content. Remember, Serena, remember the Chinese and the Russians are just waiting. You know, we need to get into this computer in Ukraine. Has Serena released another video yet? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a zip file. Yeah, I got, got a crack. We got it. It's got a cute song in the background. God, I hope so. Does it have her dog? Thank oh. God. No, it got taken down. Dang yeah. it. Well, no, are we going mean, to get these nuclear codes out of the zip file? They took it down. She's like, they're, they're burning what we're using. We've got to take it down. Yeah. <laughs> they're burning no, all their PTPs. <laughs> yeah, they're like, John the Ripper. That thought, I thought that was Russian only. <laughs> yeah, it's right. so frustrating. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it makes me mad, too, that they'll have, they have a bug, ba- TikTok has a bug bounty program. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they are, you know, having ethical hackers and they're inviting them like, hey, you know, try your app, report vulnerabilities. But then the second you start doing education around that, they don't want you to use your platform. Or it's their totally platform algorithm it. gone wild, right? It's, it's exactly it, what happens on YouTube where it's like, if you say certain things, it's like demonetized or, you know, it's like yeah. they have it because of the, you know, extreme fire hose of content. They just code up some janky, like if the, if then statement, they're like, if you said the word crack and you downloaded a file, then banned it or, well, you know, whatever. I, I want to go on TikTok and just randomly see if I can find something worse than that video. And yes. I'm done. That's their good deed today. All right, folks, we need to wrap it up. I want to say thanks to all of you for coming. I really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. By the way, tomorrow... Uh, we have the live stream at Anti-Siphon Address Space Layout Randomization. Uh, so go over to the Anti-Siphon YouTube channel. We're going to be doing a 30-minute session with Bill Stearns, which is going to be completely mind-blowing. And then we're bringing Chris Brenton back. Um, we had a lot of people that were really excited with what Chris did uh, last week, so we're bringing him back to do another session. Um, so check that out. We've got a lot of really cool content, and it's all this very dense 30 minutes get in all killer no filler so check that out and, as and it always, won't be banned or taken out hopefully won't be banned mm. um final thing is 
And as always, like and subscribe, please. It, it feeds our families, everyone. It feeds. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. And think, think of, of the dog. Think, think, think of Think of Serena's puppy. Yes, like and subscribe because that dog it ain't gonna feed itself, folks. You need to help. Yeah. It's Every not dollar. Dollar. Wire Shark costumes either. There we go. Think of Wire Shark. All right. Bye, Hazel. Later. Bye. Everybody. Bye. Bye.